All right, everyone, welcome to episode two of the Be On Air podcast with your host today. Anthony Romano is my name. In episode one, we discussed musical influences. In this episode, it's going to kind of be a part two here. Instead of talking about specific influences, we are more so going to talk about concerts in general. Uh, We're also going to have a cool interview and hear some cool stories with Carlos Rodriguez later in, in the episode. What we're focusing on mainly, of course, since we're talking about live music, is the greatest music venue in the world. That is Red Rocks Amphitheater here in Morrison, Colorado. For all you Lombard people listening, you've got to come visit and just go see a concert at the park itself, at the amphitheater. Anyone who's coming out of town or who has recently moved here, that's the first question I ask him is, hey, have you been to Red Rocks yet? All you got to do is just find an artist that you remotely like, buy a ticket, go to this show, and I promise it's going to be worth it. But it's not just the amphitheater. Red Rocks is also a park in general. So we are going to actually just get into some of the, the history itself of both the amphitheater and the park as well. So again, it is located in Morrison, Colorado. So it is pretty close to, to Denver and you're right there. So kind of cool thing about the origin of the park here. Its construction was actually part of the New Deal signed by Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1933. Uh, The New Deal, of course, was designed to try to lift many parts of the nation out of the Great Depression, which we were smack dab in the middle of. One of those programs was known as the Civilian Conservation Corps, and the goal of that program was to help conserve many of the nation's natural resources and formations across the entire country. So the amphitheater of the rocks itself is a natural rock formation that has been there for several, several years, going back hundreds of years. But the construction of the park and the amphitheater itself is really the brainchild of a man named George Cranmer. He was the manager for the Denver parks back then, and it was really his idea and plan that allowed everything thing to come to be as we know it today. It was in 1935 that the project was started and approved for federal funding. Around that same time, that is when they started working on constructions for the the roadways and for people to be able to access the park and the amphitheater. And so George Cranmer, he really had a genius vision here. He really recognized the natural acoustics that the rocks and just being outside would provide. So he enlisted the help of a man named Burnham F. Hoyt as the architect to help design everything else with him. Needed to be a pretty precise design. They were able to execute that vision almost to perfection. The construction of the actual amphitheater began in 1936. Uh, That's when they started doing a lot of work because they had to clear a lot of rocks, kind of make the roads and the pathways so it's just accessible for, for anyone. So after about five years of construction, the opening performance itself was on June 15, 1941. It officially opened to the public on that day with the performance by Helen Jepsen. Uh, She was a singer and part of New York's Metropolitan Opera. And so the very first song performed was Ave Maria performed by her. Since then, there has been countless legendary musicians to, to take the stage up there. Just naming off some of them 
Uh, and, you know, we're, we're really talking legends. Uh, Nat King Cole, Louis Armstrong, Harry Belafonte, Ray Charles, Ella Fitzgerald. Getting into the 70s and the 80s here. Uh, the Eagles, Carlos Santana, Willie Nelson, Journey, Grateful Dead, Tears for Fears, Kiss, Bon Jovi, Sting, Stevie Nicks, B.B. King, just to name a few. And of course, you know, you can see all your favorite artists today. I've been lucky enough to see all my favorite bands that I've mentioned in the first episode. 311, Incubus, Foo Fighters. One of the big highlights every year for me is uh, Reggae on the Rocks. If you love reggae music, uh, you know, that is one of the premier festivals that you need to see. And then, of course, you know, one of the biggest bragging rights that the amphitheater does have is in 1964, August 26, 1964, to be exact. That is when the Beatles took the stage. I do believe that is their only performance that they ever did there. And anytime you go to the Park the Amphitheater, you know, they have a, a whole place where they have a bunch of pictures of all the old artists and they show old video clips and still photos. So the Beatles is always one of the highlights there. Like I said, it really is the most legendary place pretty much in the world. Just Google any of your favorite artists and Google them playing at Red Rocks or talking about Red Rocks and they'll they'll tell you just exactly what they think about it as well. By far, I think it is the biggest tourist attraction or at least it should be in my mind um, for anywhere around here. So most of this information, uh, you know, if you want to look up more, most of this information came from coloradoencyclopedia.org. Uh, so you can check out a lot of cool things on that website if you want to go take a look. So right now we'll take a quick break here and we'll be back with Carlos Rodriguez and uh, he'll tell us some pretty cool stories from his experiences. He's seen some concerts back in the 90s, some legendary acts, and he'll tell us more about that. If you're stuck at home, there's never been a better time to create your own podcast. Anchor makes it fast and easy to record and edit your own personal podcast, whether you're at home or on the go. You can access it from anywhere, including your phone or computer. Just go online to anchor.fm or download the app from Google Play or the Apple Store today. Anchor powers more of the world's podcasts than any other platform. If you have a current podcast, switch to Anchor and never pay for hosting again. Anchor, the easiest way to create a podcast. All right, everybody, we are back and I am now joined by Carlos here. Part one of the podcast, uh, you know, Carlos listened to mine. We were at a concert that I brought up in the first episode here. He was at the same show. So he sent me a picture when he was listening to it, which was pretty cool. So then we started just kind of talking from there about our different uh, concerts and experiences. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being here first off, Carlos. Sure. sure, I'm glad to be here. So we've been talking about Red Rock, so we're going to stick with that topic here. His first Red Rock show just sounds unbelievable. So it was Rush, and the year was 1999, is that right? Yes, yes. Uh <laughs> Just a phenomenal show. I mean, if, if you've ever been at Red Rocks, and it doesn't matter what show you're at, it's it's my church. Right, and exactly. The, and the acoustics <laughs> and just my hair on my arms and the back of my neck stands every single time. But Neil Peart, one of the all-time greatest drummers in the world. And you're a drummer too, right? Correct. Uh, he was my inspiration to buy a drum set. So that experience there would just be on another level, especially with, you know, their musicianship. One of my greatest shows is actually REO, Speedwagon, and Sticks. 
and uh, the lighting show. It was great. It was a beautiful night. I think it was the Avid Brothers show that you brought up. So mm-hmm. you had a friend come out for that. Yeah, tell me about that with your with your friend, a whole nother place, and experiencing this for the first time. Yeah, uh, my friend Nikolai, he actually drove all the way out to Denver from Philadelphia. Uh, I bought Avid Brother tickets. He came out a few weeks before the concert. I toured my ACL. I hobbled over with Nikolai, his girlfriend, and my daughter, Haley. So the security guard came up to me. And so he actually sat us down in third row reserved seating. So during a concert, uh, I look over at my friend Nikolai just to you know, see, hey, you know, how's it going? Bawling, crying, and just yeah. couldn't believe the magic, the electricity, and what a great place to be. I've done that a couple times during a couple mm-hmm. shows, I'll admit it. He's got to be, you know, telling everybody else back home, too, about this place, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's I mean, how can you not? Told many, many stories. And for some context <clears throat> here for everyone that hasn't been there, there's two different entrances to get into this venue. It's either a giant hill or a giant staircase. Correct. And it's steep either way. So with an ACL, yeah, you're right. That does not sound fun. You know, you had one more story that I wanted to get to. Stone Temple Pilots, you have a crazy story about this concert. We got some inside information here. Mm-hmm. First off, rest in peace, Scott Weiland. We love mm-hmm. and we miss you. Sure. Give me the context of that story. Sure. Uh, back in 2008, Stone Temple Pilots were at Red Rocks. I was there with my uh, ex-wife. And the reason why I bring up my ex-wife is that she used to be good friends with Scott Weiland's brother, Michael Weiland, at Evergreen High School here in Colorado. And, you know, friends. And then there was other mutual fr- you know, friends. They all hung out. So one of Michael Weiland's old best friends uh, is still friends with the Weiland family. So we had our third row tickets. And we just happened to see this gentleman. He was on stage. You know, he saw us and he came out. And uh, at this time, we were waiting for Stone Temple Pilots to get on stage. We were waiting for over an hour. So like, come on, what's going on? So this friend of our, ours um, came out and said, yeah, we're waiting for Scott Weiland to show up. He's at the Little Bear in Evergreen getting drunk. <laughs> and there was this gentleman uh, we saw far away. He's yelling in his phone, Scott, get your ass here now and and for context to how how long is it from evergreen to the venue uh about 20 25 minutes so maybe about 20 minutes later the band comes out and they're just like playing just some offbeat music you know a lot of people were getting restless and from my understanding scott got dropped off in the lincoln town car or whatever ran through backstage ran right onto <laughs> the stage amazing and then they just started going right into the big empty and and then it was a fabulous show after that it was one of my most memorable shows the fact that you knew what was going on yeah. just makes that so much better <laughs> last last thing here so just kind of compare you know the bands that you have seen before mm-hmm. and have seen at Red Rocks do you kind of prefer a you know a more intimate kind of more low-key venue or is seeing them on on the rocks always just gonna blow blow everyone the rocks. out of the water yeah uh, even if it's a high windy day with the bad even if it's bad distortion you, you know uh, it doesn't matter. It's the energy. Just kind of on th- ending on that last note here, you know, thanks again for sure. uh, for coming in and talking with us here, Carlos. Yeah, it was um, great. You know, I'm sure we'll hear some more stories. Uh, for everybody out there listening and for all the Lombard people too as well, like I said, 
you gotta come here and just check it out at least once. In my opinion, it's the number one thing that you should experience here in Colorado. Definitely. There's a lot of great things about this state, but as always, that by far is the best. Cool. So we'll end on that note. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. This was episode two of the Beyond Air podcast. <laughs>